Is God a narcissist? Is God an egomaniac? You may think no, perhaps yes, but more than likely the majority of individuals would say no. However, there are more and more individuals who are leaning toward yes, and that issue is actually one of the reasons why they go through a process that we've talked about in the last two podcasts of deconstruction. So one of the reasons why individuals begin this process of deconstructing is their view of God shifts, their view of God changes. And one of the reasons why it does is found in texts that we find in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Listen carefully to this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So now imagine. Imagine if that was spoken by the President of the United States. Love the President, your ruler, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. But imagine that it is the president who's actually saying that. And it doesn't even have to stop there. It could be a congressman. It could be a governor. Any elected official. It could be anyone who is a leader. When they demand that we love them, you begin to wonder what's going on with them. Now, I don't think the majority of leaders would use that word love. However... They probably would be quite comfortable, some of them, using the word, I expect you to be compliant. I expect you to submit. I expect your loyalty. And why do we expect these things? Because we are the ones in power. So this demand or expectation that an individual would be recognized and honor, it comes across to me as very power and praise hungry, an egomaniac. And the text we read in Deuteronomy isn't the only one. Scattered throughout the Bible, you'll find texts where God says, you must obey me. No questions asked. I expect absolute obedience and loyalty. Not only that, but you are to worship me. You are to glorify me. You are to praise me. And again, if that was applied to any human being, I think we would be somewhat taken back. I know for me that I have met some people that I think are arrogant, that think really highly of themselves. They talk highly of themselves. They act in ways that make you feel like they're better than everyone else. These are the kind of individuals that I really am uncomfortable with. I want to remove myself from. One of the experiences I've had is that often these individuals can be pastors. Where they have a sense of self and entitlement because of their position, because of the power that they think they possess. So... In human realms, we would call them egomaniacs, narcissists. But when it comes to God, does that apply? So my question is still the same. Is God an egomaniac? Is God a narcissist? 
Now, again, as I mentioned, there are some individuals who would say the answer is yes. By the way, this is uh, in my research this week. One of the things I found out was Oprah Winfrey was one of such individual who made such a statement. So there are many individuals who are walking away from that image of God or God altogether because of those implications of God being that kind of a kind of God that you really want nothing to do with. However, there are some Christians who are pushing back and they're saying, yes, those texts are out there. Yes, those texts are present. However, we need to understand them. One such individual is Pastor John Piper. John Piper is an American New Testament scholar. He's a Baptist theologian, a pastor, and even the chancellor of Bethlehem College and Seminary in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Piper was exposed to this idea, and he spoke to about 10,000 college students about it. And in that presentation that he made, he said the following, God is the one being in the universe for whom self-exaltation is not the act of a needy ego. Hear that again. God is the one being in the universe for whom self-exaltation is not the act of a needy ego. Now, again, notice that. Self-exaltation. So that's present. He acknowledges that in the Bible you find this idea of God exalting God's self. But Piper doesn't buy into the idea that it's a needy ego that needs to be fed. In fact, he says it's the opposite. He says that God in his desire to be exalted, God in his desire to be worshipped, to be obeyed, to be glorified, to be praised, the reason that that is asked of us is because on God's behalf, it is an act of infinite giving. Quoting Piper and continuing, the reason God seeks our praise is not because he won't be fully God until he gets it, but because we won't be fully happy until we give it. Now, again, to break that down, it's another way of saying the following. God is indeed self-centered, plain-centered. God is God-centered. And everything that God does is for God's glory and even part of that, they would say, is our salvation. Because the reason God does this is he is self-centered, he is God-centered, is because it's his way of showing grace to us. It's his, he, because he needs to be glorified, he needs to be praised, it's his way of acting on our behalf. Because we find our greatest joy in praising and worshiping God. Now, I don't know about you, but in just hearing a little bit of what Piper said, 
And I'm going to include in the show notes the document that I found this from, and you can read it for yourself. One of the things I discovered, though, is it doesn't make sense to me. I think they're trying to make sense of it. They're trying to get around the idea that this is what God expects. This is what God wants. Dare I say this is what God needs. That's something that they're not comfortable with, is that God is an egomaniac, that God is a narcissist. That's something they're not comfortable with. So they will do whatever they can to bypass that conclusion. However, one of the things that stands out for me is that there are serious repercussions if you don't do these things. If you don't worship God. God says, I am the only God. Worship only me. If you don't obey God. If you don't glorify God. If you don't do those things, there are serious repercussions for you. In the Old Testament, they're called curses. Today, we say you're going to hell. And again, it would be one thing if this was by choice we could do these things. Well, and individuals would say, well, well, you do have a choice. Well, do we? Come on, be honest. Do we? If you don't want to worship God, if you don't believe that God is all that, and it's the kind of God that you want in your life, you're going to suffer the consequences of that. So is that really a choice? I would like to offer, however, another idea. Maybe God isn't an egomaniac. God isn't a narcissist. But not for the reasons that John Piper sets forth. Instead, maybe the whole idea of worshiping God that we find in the Bible is more about humanity. It tells us more about humanity than it tells us about God. Let me explain. There are individuals who believe that the Bible is a revelation of God. Either God dictated to the writers what to say, or God gave the thoughts in the individual's mind that they would be able to write. But in some way, they see this as a revelation from God. For those individuals who see the Bible in this way, then you do get the sense that we need to worship God And this idea that we find in the Bible of calling to obey and worship and serve God, that that is God telling humanity, this is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I have to have. And therefore, it is an accurate depiction of God. Now, you can do what Piper did and come around and try to figure out different ways to explain that in a way that doesn't make God look that way. But if you see the Bible as a revelation from, of God, then this idea of God needing to be worshipped, God needing to be praised, God needing to be glorified, all of that is from God. It's God telling us what he's like, what he needs. Now, there's another way. There's another way of looking at the Bible and in turn impacting how we see this whole idea of God needing worship. 
What if you see the Bible as a, an expression of humanity's experience of God? To see the Bible as an expression of humanity's experience of God. Then what we see here in the Bible is an expression of what we as humans want and expect from God. Now, this idea may be foreign to some, and for others, it may be blasphemy. But hang with me for just a little while, because I believe this idea has merit, especially when you believe in evolution and the evolution not only of our world, our universe, but also humanity. Because then what we see is that the idea of worshiping God is a part of our history. It's a part of our evolving. The first object that Homo sapiens worshiped were objects in nature. Now, when you think about that, these were individuals who were just coming to a sense of awareness, awareness of themselves, awareness of their surroundings in a different way as their brain continued to evolve. But nature was often seen as this terrifying power. It was nature who would cause disastrous floods. It was nature who would bring about famine. It was nature that brought about frightening thunderstorms and earthquakes. But how do you control that? How do you control the brutality of nature? Well, one of the ways to do that is to appease nature. And how do you appease nature? But by offering offerings and sacrifices. This is the first step in what is called ritual. Offering a ritual an act that would appease the gods, and that is by offering offerings and sacrifices. Well, over time, humanity began not only to have rituals, but they also begin to worship. But when they started worshiping, this worship was seen not at begin with, with a God up in heaven that we find in the Bible. No. Instead, what we see is that they are worshiping stones very early on. It's probably the first thing that Homo sapiens worshiped were stones. And we see a, a holdover from this ancient practice in Leviticus chapter 26, where it says, You shall not make for yourself idols, nor shall you set up for yourselves an image or a sacred pillar, nor, here it is, nor shall you place a figured stone in your, land, in your land to bow down to it. So even in the Bible, we see this expression that took place. But over time, it moved from stone, a stone, to stones in the form of hills, mountains. In fact, humanity has worshipped everything on the face of the earth including themselves. He's worshipped everything imaginable in the sky and beneath the surface of the earth. All of that he has worshipped. But worship is different than what you experience God in rituals. 
in rituals, you would invoke God for certain pleasures to be, for example, to not be hit hard by a thunderstorm or by an earthquake. But over time, that idea of God began to shift. And in moving from just rituals, but to rituals and worship, something took place. Instead of just invoking God through your rituals and hoping that somehow you would appease the God, instead, worship came into the play with those rituals, and with it came a sense of submitting to God. Now God needs to be worshiped, and you would kneel or you would prostrate yourself before him. You would offer him gifts, just not sacrifices and offerings. And in the process, you hoped that not only you would appease God, but you would hope that somehow God and God's status as God would transform you. Now, again, this is a very subtle difference between ritual and worship. And ritual and worship, in the history of religion, in the history of looking at worship, they coexisted together. They still coexist together. But with worship, there comes a sense that it has to be done right. There are certain things that need to be done. Therefore, you end up seeing a select group of individuals who are responsible in leading worship. Sound familiar? When I was in seminary, and then when I was working on my advanced degree, one of the things I noticed in the college that I was attending for my doctorate was that the ministers in training got a class in worship. They got a class just on how to lead worship. This was especially seen not only in Catholic training, but also in high church Protestants denominations, such as Episcopal, Methodist. These are where a heavy emphasis is done upon saying the right thing. Even in our denomination, the United Church of Christ, we have a book of worship, telling, offering ideas, suggestions. And there are some ministers who follow that carte blanche. That's what is said over and over and over, either at communion or at baptism or in, on a Sunday morning. So this idea that worship has to be done in a certain way because God more than likely expects that. It all ties back into this idea of an image of God who needs to be worshipped and worshipped in a particular way. But if we instead see that this idea of worshipping God is not from God, but it's something that evolved within us as human beings over time. It was over time that as we transitioned from hunter-gatherers to agriculture to more of an industrial age, as that shift began to take place and is continuing to shift today, 
then our idea of God changed and what God, what we saw God expecting from us changed. So maybe, maybe what we see in the Bible and this whole idea of worshiping God isn't so much making God an egomaniac or a narcissist, but rather it's more about humanity. This is a statement about humanity and what humanity thinks God wants of them rather than what God wants. I don't know. Something to think about. It's the only way that I find that makes sense for me. It works for me. It may not for you. And if it doesn't work for you, I would love to hear back from you. If you look at the bottom of the screen, you'll see an email, media at beatitudeschurch.org. You can email me there. You can make a comment on Facebook. You can make a comment on YouTube. There's ways that you can share your ideas. And when you share those ideas, I take it serious and I respond to them. And again, there's many different reasons why people go through deconstruction. One of them is their idea of God. And either that idea of God shifts and it's very troubling for them, or many people walk away from God altogether. Maybe, just maybe, there's another alternative. That maybe, again, this is nothing to do about God but this has a lot to do about us. Something for you to think about, something for you to ponder, keep you busy throughout the rest of the day. So no matter what you're doing today or in the days to come, stay safe out there. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Mind the Ear with Tony Manier. Take care.